0: Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow.
1: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? Happy Monday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show it's back to the grind of camp back on the field for this Monday as we are just 13 days out from kickoff in New England against the Patriots we're going to hear from coach Flores a few selected Dolphins players after practice and of course get you caught up on everything in between here and the latest from Davey here all of that and more on this Monday August the 31st edition of the drive time podcast
2: that's another Miami
1: It is the last day of August. Tomorrow is the beginning of the second best month on the calendar for my money. October taking the title here for best month out of the year. In a normal year, at least, that is, with the middle of the NFL calendar, the start of conference play in college football, the MLB playoffs, Halloween just around the corner, and, of course, the best weather Back where I'm from, back home in the Pacific Northwest on the entire calendar. Might have to revise that now that I'm a South Florida man. Which month here is the best for weather? I'm going to go ahead and assume it's February, maybe March, you guys tell me. But enough about the weather. Let's go ahead and talk about Coach's Media on Monday morning. But first, before we do that, as the official wellness provider and sports medicine provider of the Miami Dolphins, Baptist Health is ready and committed to continue caring for you safely. This pandemic has reminded us that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals character. It's also taught us that our health is truly what matters most. We have the power to protect each other by wearing a mask. So who do you wear a mask for? Mask up South Florida, keep caring, live healthy, stay strong, and learn more at baptisthealthnet slash coronavirus. And let's go ahead and get to Brian Flores' Monday morning media availability. He spoke to the media for about 10, 15 minutes. And last year, I spoke with my buddy Kevin Dern. We know who he is, at KevinMD4 on Twitter. He writes for Dolphins Talk these days. We talked about how when football is around the corner or when there's a game on tap or it's getting closer, there's a bit more of a jovial look from Brian Flores. And maybe I'm talking out of my backside here, but I just noticed he seems... A little more jazz, a little more little more smiling at the camera during these media availabilities, a little more joking with the media. So I thought this one was a great media availability from Brian Flores, kind of joking back and forth with some of the reporters. Let's go ahead and start off here with a question to update you on the status of Ryan Fitzpatrick.
2: So Fitz was back in the building this morning and uh, was spec my progress today.
1: So, Fitz is back. That's obviously great news to hear. Looking forward to seeing him on the field with his teammates. Up next, Coach was asked about relationships with players that were here last year, how those evolve from year one to year two, and also how he develops relationships with the players who are in their first year under a Brian Flores program.
2: Well, I think it's like um, any relationship you have friendships, relationships. Um, over time, relationships evolve. Excuse me. You know, the players who were here a year ago. Uh, they're more comfortable with me. I'm more comfortable with them. Um, and, you know, with the new players that are here, um, you, you just, you know, uh, you put the time in. to get to know them, get to know uh, them on the field, off the field. Some of their quirks are, you try to build build that trust, build that uh, camaraderie. So it's been, uh, obviously, you know, with a, a year later, uh, you know, some of those relationships are stronger than uh, they were a year ago, uh, which, you know, I think that's the way it should be. I'm sure it is. I think that's the way it is in most relationships.
1: We've talked before on this podcast about the number of first and second year players on this Dolphins roster. I think last time I checked, it was 38. but That number could have gone up or down a couple of spots because of some recent roster news and roster movements, I should say. And so Flores talks about the importance of finding out about how each guy responds to different situations. You heard him talk about what guys' quirks are, and how you coach players differently that way, and so this roster has plenty of rookies, plenty of young players, but it also has some guys that came over here that had pre-existing relationships with Brian Flores, like a Kyle Van Noy, like Elandon Roberts, Kamu Gruje Hill, some players that can kind of come over here and help the coaching staff communicate that message and what's expected of players on this young roster. Next, we get health updates on Xavier Howard and Devonte Parker.
2: Obviously, X coming off of the knee. Uh... Just coming off of PUP, COVID, conditioning, uh, and then just, you know, those fundamentals, those techniques, the footwork, and the hand placement that everyone takes for granted that, that people just think just happened. Um, he needs to work on those, and he, he has been, uh, but he needs to kind of work work on those techniques, um, work against the receiver, uh, you know, work with his teammates on the communication I think a lot of people, you know, just kind of take those things for granted. Um, I know he doesn't. I know he's working diligently to get in and get those reps, and he's talked about it and he's anxious to get in there because uh, he knows he needs them. And um, I think he'll he'll work he'll work towards uh, getting to where he needs to be. And look, if we feel like he's he's ready to go week one, then we'll we'll, uh, we'll let him go. And if um, you know, we, we feel like he's not, then you know. We'll make the decision when we get to that point. As far as Devonte, uh, look, he's working, you know, every day to get back out there uh, as soon as he can. Uh, again, yeah, you know, he's he's been through some of some of the training camp and some of the conditioning and some of the fundamentals and techniques. And uh, you know, when you're out a couple of days, you just don't want to lose those. Um, which, if you don't practice them, you you, you you know, they start to you start to lose them a little bit. But he's built up enough, or I feel like he's built up a good a good amount, so that um, you know he hopefully he can kind of get right back to it. Um, he will lose a little bit, but then he can get right back to where he was and, and, and continue to improve and, and elevate. Um, hopefully, I will elevate.
1: I've talked about how I thought Xavier Howard looked on the practice field and the. Individual drills and the warm-up sessions and you hear coach there talk about how he is working diligently to get back to his full strength when it comes to conditioning and the strength and, and working on the fundamentals and the techniques and how those things can be taken for granted but not on this football team and X is working hard in those areas. And personally, I just can't wait to see him get out there with Byron Jones and Noah Igmenogney and Nick Needham and Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe and Brandon Jones and Kayvon Frazier. I think the secondary has a lot of nice parts, a lot of guys that can do different things. So excited to see how they turn out and how they look when this is all when this all comes together and everybody's healthy and on the field together. As far as Devontae Parker, you heard him talk about how Devontae was out here during the early portions of camp, so he doesn't have as much ground to make up, but of course it's important to get back out there to try to get back and sustain the level that he felt Parker was at before he missed a few practices in a row. So Parker, Xavier, we'll get get attendance on those guys for you here in just one second. Up next, coach was asked to evaluate practice on Saturday and how he felt the team performed after watching the tape.
2: Um, You know, I was starting to pick in the kicking game, so um, I thought our specialists... Played well. I mean, I think Hawk had a couple of really good punts. Jason kicked the ball well. We got some good snaps out of Blake. Um, just from you know the phases, um, I thought we were you know working our techniques and fundamentals and communication. You know on punt and punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. Uh, so again, still a lot of work to do there, but I thought it was you know a step in the right direction, and it's always good to you know get it get onto the stadium field and you know work through those phases. Uh, offensively, you know, from an O line standpoint, I thought, uh, you know, we, we made a few moves there. Uh, we played Robert Hunt with some different guys, we played Solomon with some different guys. You know, it was good to get, you know, hunt up there with, with, uh, you know, some of those more veteran players. Um, so that was good. I thought he played well. Um, again, I thought all, you know, the, the, the line as a whole, um, you know, played well, you know, both units uh, that, that were out there. Um, uh, but, you know, we can always get better communication, a little bit better fundamentals technique. You know, the quarterbacks were play, played well. I thought they made some good decisions. I thought they made some not so good decisions. Uh, defensively, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But I'm going to just quick, quickly. Defensively, um, again, you know, just communication. A couple, couple instances where we, you know, had the wrong amount of people on the field. So, again, we got to get that cleaned up. I thought they, you know, played hard. I thought the conditioning was, you know, okay. Still need some improvement. But, We've still got a long way to go. All the days are kind of running together, whatever, practice 13 or something like that. So they're working and trying to
1: get better. Some interesting notes there about the offensive line. Two rookies he mentioned, Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley. We'll talk more about them here in just a moment on the podcast. But we heard Coach earlier, was it last week or maybe the week before that, talking about how this season is going to be unique and that they might do more combinations on both the offensive and defensive side when it comes to regular season games and trying to get more guys involved. He talked about the rotation on the offensive side of the football with the quarterbacks, how they're trying to rotate each quarterback with different lineups on the offense, not just first team, second team, third team. So it's been a unique approach. Coach addresses it there. Coach also addresses here a comment he made earlier last week about not being a good recruiter. Here's Coach talking about where that comment came from.
2: Well, I've never, I've never been in college football. That was the first kind of uh, thought that came to mind, and it's probably just me being self deprecating to be honest with you. Um, probably, you know, if, if I wasn't college to be, I, I feel like I probably wouldn't be uh, you know, a great recruiter. You know, I like to be hard on guys that's not a big part of recruiting uh, from what I hear. So, but I don't know much. That's kind of where that came from, Steve.
1: So you hear him talking about being hard or being difficult on players, especially young players. Here is coach talking about a trend on social media about the looks he gives to Raquan Davis on photos that capture him and the rookie. Here's coach talking about those smiles, those looks and how we should ask Raquan Davis, how he feels about how coaches to him on and off the field.
2: Yeah. I don't know if Raquan would say that. So, you might want to ask him if I'm always smiling at him. Someone catches a picture at the right time. Raekwon happens to be in the in the, in the area. It's a good picture. I mean, I, I, I've got it sent it to me a few times. I, I could see uh, where someone can get a few laughs at it. I'm not sure Raekwon feels like I look at him uh, with that much admiration on a daily basis. You should ask him, though. No. <laughs> or you any should. of the rookies, to be honest with you.
1: Speaking of rookies and college football, up next, Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post, pulled out a reference to the Austin P. Central Arkansas game that took place the other night. Stayed up late and watched that game on Saturday night and talked about how one of the teams had to use their fourth long snapper because of COVID type of contingencies they had to go ahead and enact. He asked Coach about any possible contingencies at the long snapper position and who might be in, in line to fulfill that role. Should something happen to Blake Ferguson? Should we be without Blake Ferguson and need to find a backup long snapper?
2: This is something we talked about at length. So uh, we've got three other guys we can snap on the team. You know, the most interesting one of the three was Mac Hollins. I didn't realize that. So that was, that was. Uh, you know, but the more you can do in this league, uh, and, and obviously this year uh, in a pandemic, we've got to be ready to go, you know, at all positions, you know, as, you know especially um, as a, as a, at the long sniper position. What you don't want is uh, to have a situation where, you don't have anybody to, you know, long or short snap. So, um, no one really they kind of take it for granted until it's a, until it's an issue. So, um, but but we, we we we've had that conversation for sure, Joe, as well as at all positions. But definitely long snap, or definitely punter kicker. It's something we have thought about.
1: First, my apologies for having the laptop keyboard right next to my microphone there for the recording of that. You picked up a lot of the audio there. Kind of sounds like a real press media availability, though, in a non-COVID situation when you're going to have reporters sitting in front of Coach as he addresses the media, and you would hear that laptop clicking in a normal season. So maybe I'm not too apologetic about it. Up next, Coach talks about the depth of the running back room and how he feels about all five guys in that room.
2: Uh, Well, I feel good about, you know, um, really all five guys, you know, Salvin, just, we just got him, Salvin Ahmed and, um, you know, looking forward to seeing him, you know, what he can do today. Um, with this is really, this being his first time out there, um, but Laird and Gaskin and Rita and Jordan, um, all, all four guys are capable, all, all competitive guys all have, you know, some role in the kicking game, um, and they're different styles of back. You know, I'm comfortable with, with, with any of the you know, five guys. Um, well four guys I haven't seen Salvin, you know, up close and up close yet. Yeah, I'm comfortable with all guys. I think, you know, they're hard they're, it's a hard working group and a competitive group. Those are the things I'm looking for. They run hard, they get their fast, uh, they'll block, catch the ball out of the backfield. I'm looking forward to seeing you know what they can do in thirteen days.
1: You hear a Coach talk about the diversity of that running back room. All five guys can do something different. Obviously, Chandler Cox, the big banger as far as the fullback goes, knocking guys out of holes and creating space for the running backs. Matt Breida, one of the fastest players in the National Football League. We've talked about Jordan Howard's patience and vision and power on this podcast relentlessly. You know I'm a big fan of Miles Gaskin, how he can make that one quick cut jump and get off to the races. I think Salvin Ahmed is a good running back as well. He definitely hurt me in some Apple Cups at Washington State, a big UW guy there. He and Miles. Gaskin and share the load at UW, and he caught plenty of passes there as well. We'll go ahead and finish up this portion of Brian Flores' Monday morning media availability with a question about soft tissue injuries and the emphasis on hydration, nutrition, and how the Dolphins prepare for that type of thing in a shortened training camp.
2: You know, we're, we're, we're constantly emphasizing hydration, stretching, uh, getting in the training room, cold tubs, hot tubs, uh, nutrition. You know, It all p- plays a role in it. Uh, something I talk about really every day. They're probably sick of hearing me you know, say it, but I say it every day. Um, hydration testing. I know it's been a, a little bit of an issue around the league. I know that you know, coming off of 2011 in the, uh, the lockout year, it was an issue. So um, we tried to uh, do everything you know, we can from an education standpoint uh, to help educate them to do all the things we can to, to prevent them. Um, obviously, it's football and things happen. All we can do is educate them. Let the chips fall where they may. So, um, but we're going to go out there and practice and try to get better and improve. Hopefully, you know, from a soft tissue standpoint, you know, we make it out. We make it out clean every day.
1: So there he goes. There goes Coach Flores for his Monday morning media availability. This marks the point of practice where media is only available for the first 15 minutes. So we're going to go check it out, see who's out there, who's playing, who's on the field. And we'll come back and finish up this podcast with player availability and some notes on some of the players Coach talked about there in his presser this morning. And then we got onto the practice field for the warm-ups and stretching portion of practice. A little bit of individual drills, but as we turn to the regular season form of practice now, that means no media after the first 15 minutes, so no practice updates for you guys. From here forward, we're going to be talking about this team, some of the individual players and the evaluations of those players. We'll get into some regular season content next week as well here, but we do have media availability coming up with some players. But as far as what we saw on the football field, Ryan Fitzpatrick is in fact back out there in his red 14 jersey along with the other quarterbacks Tua and Josh Rosen and then also in a red jersey is Patrick Laird the running back who injured his shoulder last week he was out there pre scrimmage for workouts and did not participate in the scrimmage but he is back out here again on the field on Monday in the red no contact jersey not in pads but out there working on the exercise bike was number 19 Jakeem Grant he will not practice on Monday I did see Xavier Howard over there he's back at practice once again getting some individual instruction, as Coach Flores talked about, building up some of those fundamentals and some of those key aspects of the game that everybody has to learn at every position, and especially at that cornerback spot for Xavier Howard. So he is back and working. Some roster updates. The Dolphins waived James Crawford, the linebacker, in his place as receiver Andy Jones. He wore number eight on the practice field. You might recognize that name. He's been with the Dolphins previously. And in number 45, running back Salvin Ahmed out of University of Washington. He was out there on the practice field as well. No Devontae Parker, he was absent. No Jonathan Hubbard, and no Kirk Merritt. So those three still down, not practicing on Monday. And without having practice notes to cover, I want to just talk about a few of the players that Brian Flores mentioned in his Monday morning media availability. And we start with quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I go back to a quote from last training camp when he spoke to the media and said this, quote, I think in the last four or five years, I've really gotten better every year. And I think as funny as that sounds, I think my best football is still ahead of me. End quote there for Fitzpatrick. And I've talked about that on this podcast, how his timing, his repetition of all these different offenses of all these different play calls has really allowed him to just play with the ultimate anticipation, the ultimate confidence. And the first thing I said when watching Fitzpatrick's tape back in 2019, when the Dolphins signed him from Tampa Bay was that he trusts his eyes as well as any quarterback I had watched in recent memory. He sees it. He lets that thing fly and he plays with that gunslinger mentality And it certainly benefited guys like Preston Williams and Devontae Parker and both of those guys' vertical skill sets last season. Now, I do want to make it a point to say that I don't believe that that Williams and Parker— are the same player by any stretch of the imagination. I think Parker's game is more about elevating and pulling the football down when he does get vertical. I think Preston Williams is more about creating separation and getting open that way and kind of attacking the football in stride. So difference in players, even though they have similar body compositions. But just to go back to Fitzpatrick's comment here about playing the best football Of his career, listen to these stat lines from 2005 rather through 2013. He had a 59.8 percent completion percentage, six and a half yards per attempt, 4.1 touchdown rate, and 3.6 interception rate, and a passer rating of 77.5. Now. From 2014 to 2019, the last six seasons where Fitzpatrick says he feels like he's getting better at this point of his career, here's his numbers over that stretch. 60.8% completion and improvement there. 7.4 yards per attempt up almost a full yard. A 4.8 touchdown rate up 0.7% and a 3.1 interception rate down a half of a percent there. And an 86.3 passer rating, that is almost 10 points better than what it was the previous portion of his career. But you narrow that focus to the last couple of years with Tampa and the last season with the Miami Dolphins he had a 63.5 percent completion percentage 7.9 yards per attempt a 4.9 touchdown rate and a 3.3 interception rate with a passer rating of 90.4 you can quantify his tangible progress at this point of his career like he mentions and if you even want to boil that down to a more specific sample size. Once he was inserted back into the lineup last season in week 6, he threw 19 touchdowns compared to just 9 picks. He had a completion percentage of 63.1% and he rushed for 229 yards and 4 touchdowns on 12 carries. That 12 game stretch produced 23 total touchdowns for Fitzpatrick. That's a rate of 1.92 touchdowns per game. That's the franchise's highest single season touchdown rate since Dan Marino's 1.93 touchdown rate, so a 100 of a point higher than Fitzpatrick back in 1994. And from week 6 on, Fitzpatrick was the 10th highest graded passing quarterback in the NFL, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. When you factor in overall performance and grades he was 12th that of course accounts for rushing as well so a guy like Lamar Jackson might jump up there but also Fitzpatrick too because he ran the ball very well he ranked second in first downs over that stretch of play 11th in touchdown passes and cumulatively he was 16th graded quarterback on pro football focus last season among quarterbacks with at least 20 downfield throws Fitzpatrick ranked ninth in passer rating on passes that traveled over 20 yards in the air on throws in which the ball came out in less than two and a half seconds Fitzpatrick's 14 touch touchdown passes were sixth best in the NFL. He also had the seventh most completed air yards in football that according to pro uh, to playerprofile.com rather and ranked 13th in completion percentage while under pressure. He finished eighth in rushing yards per game among quarterbacks and fourth in touchdowns on the ground. And just to kind of finish this thing off here, you go back to the tape from last season. We talk about the anticipation rips. I think you go back to the touchdown pass to Devontae Parker, the first of two against the Giants in Week 15, to watch the way he's able to see what the defense is going to do before the ball is even snapped based upon their pre-snap look, and he lets that thing fly with that confidence. It led to the big improvement in his numbers, the Dolphins' improvement on the offensive side of the football, and of course that 5-4 and four finish to end The season. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, in a great position right now to continue that streak of playing good football into the 2020 season. Another player we talked about in Brian Flores' Monday morning media availability was receiver Devontae Parker, who, of course, we mentioned was not back on the field for practice. But we go back to the season Devontae Parker had last year. We know the stats by now, fifth in receiving yards, fourth in touchdowns among all NFL players. Here's a quote from Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, quote, For us, and for me as a quarterback, I'm always going to rely on my playmakers, and Devontae's been that guy all year long. He said that after the Week 17 win in New England. There were a couple that maybe I didn't get in there, make the throw, or Stephon Gilmore did a good job with talking about the cornerback of the Patriots covering Devontae on that day, but I wasn't going to shy away from a matchup, not because I don't respect the other guy, but because I have that much confidence in our guy, Devontae really stepped up today. And speaking of that game and playing up against another cornerback in this division, there are two. two cornerbacks in the AFC East, who were all pro in 2019. Devontae Parker's final two games against those two guys in Buffalo and New England, he combined for 15 catches and 272 yards in those games. We talk about Devontae trying to add elements, trying to add weapons to his arsenal and to his game this training camp and this season. He talked about it in his media availability, how he wants to get sharper on routes, like the comeback, for instance. Try to create more separation as you sell that takeoff, because at this stage of his career, you have to honor the deep part of the field against Devontae Parker because you get down there one-on-one, Fitz is going to take his chances and odds are he's going to pull it down. We saw it all year last year, so if Devontae can kind of round that part of his game, and build off of that, like Brian Flores talks about, and build and improve from there, and Devontae talks about on the comeback route, you're going to see even more production from Devontae Parker. He even showcased that the very next day up against Byron Jones, running a great comeback route, getting a catch, running after the catch, roughly 20 yards or so on that particular play. So growth and improvement for these guys that have production. Devontae Parker's December last year was the best five-game stretch from a yards and touchdown touchdown perspective since chris chambers in 2005 so big time production there for he and fitzpatrick down the stretch Another player we heard Flores talk about this morning is cornerback Xavier Howard, who, of course, comes back to the Dolphins this year after missing the second half of the season with that knee injury, spending some time this training camp on both the COVID-19 reserve list as well as the physically unable to perform. But he's back. And just going back off some of the numbers here from Pro Football Focus, he has limited opposing quarterbacks to a 75.3 passer rating and a completion percentage of just 55.5% through the course of his career. He plays the football so well in the air. We know about the seven interceptions he had back in 2018. He disrupts the timing of the passing game at all levels of the route. At the line with his press throughout the course of the stem, we've seen him get physical, like on that interception last year against Juju Smith-Schuster, who wanted to get the inside track on Howard to kind of run a pivot route and get back to the sideline. Howard was having none of that. He played physical throughout and then broke on the football and made a big pick on that. We see in that same play there an example of how he works off the top of the stem as the receiver makes his break. And then, of course, the undisputable ball skills that he shows year in and year out. I go back to that interception he had in the Raiders game back in 2018 where he ran the receiver out to the sideline, pinned him up against the perimeter, basically walled him off and then elevated and made a play on the football. That was receiver-level skill right there, and Xavier Howard doing that from his cornerback spot to get a second interception in that game and to seal a victory for the Dolphins in that game. He also has 140 tackles over the course of his career. He's about an 85% tackler. Out on the edge. So very gifted and very talented there as well. So a couple of players he talked about there on the offense, on the defense. I want to go back to the offensive line. You heard Coach talk about Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt. They got some work on Saturday in that team scrimmage. And let's go ahead and talk about Solomon Kinley. Just going back off the draft notes, he was called one of the best combination blockers in the entire draft by PFF's Mike Renner because of, well, that sheer size and power that he displays, but he also can move very well. We know he has the quick feet from that basketball and swimming background, the lifeguard background we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago and he was available for media. But listen to these pressure numbers allowed from Solomon Kinley, who has played consistent level snaps over the three last three years rather at Georgia. 350 passball. Blocking snaps last year, 370 the year prior, and back in 2017, 181 pass blocking snaps. Last year, he allowed just five hits on the quarterback and nine total pressures on those 350 snaps. In 2018, one hit, didn't allow a sack, and just five pressures. So six times out of 370 reps in that 2018 season, he allowed his quarterback to even get pressured by his man. And I think we've seen some of that sheer density show up in his work out here at training camp and in the scrimmage. I noted this on Saturday's podcast about the scrimmage, how he had a pancake block and then had some really good work picking up some games up front from the defensive line and really walling off and communicating well that way as well. So a good camp so far for Solomon Kinley. As far as the Dolphins' second round draft pick Robert Hunt out of Louisiana Lafayette, Coach Flores talked about his performance a little bit as well at today's presser And I want to go ahead and just start by reading this note once again from Mike Renner of the Pro Football Focus 2020 NFL Draft Guide. He said this, quote, It's a shame we only got to see 412 snaps of Hunt in 2019, as he was one of the most dominant tackles in the country. And if you think his level of competition is a serious concern, he says, go pop on the Mississippi State tape from week one this past season when he tossed around a Bulldog defense as much as any SEC tackle did all season long. And yeah, you want to talk about the numbers backing up the tape you see on the field. We talk about 412 snaps. How about 196 of those snaps coming in pass blocking? You know how many pressures he allowed last year? One. One player on almost 200 snaps got a pressure on the quarterback going up against Robert Hunt the year prior to that. Only seven pressures on 409 pass-blocking reps. So this guy has been completely locked down. And as Mike Renner mentions there, he competed in the SEC as well and had one of the best tapes against that good Bulldog defense as anybody we saw in college football last year. So a couple of Dolphins rookies getting some mention from Brian Flores, talking about them in the scrimmage, talking about some of their data last year in college as we go ahead and pivot forward now to player media availability from Monday, and we start with safety Clayton Fedgelam, who was first asked about his interception that he recorded in a scrimmage on Saturday.
3: I was post-high safety there, um, and I was just able to get a good read off of the quarterback, go up in the air, high point the ball, and defensively, our job is to you know, get the ball back for our offense or, or score in our case. So that was a, a big play, got us off the field, and, and kept... A, kept us moving defensively
1: up next here. I thought a really good question from Omar Kelly asking, what's the best way to get noticed from this dolphins coaching staff,
3: just to, to win your matchups. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of ways to, to, to fit in. Um, Cause it's a, it's a very, you know, it's a match defense. So it's just to go out there and, and win win your one one-on-ones do your part. And that's, that's, what's huge on these, you have to understand the entire scheme and, you know, work, work to your help, use your leverage and, you know, be accountable.
1: So both Clayton Fedgelam and Dolphin Center Ted Karras grew up in the state of Illinois, and they know each other dating back to their high school days. Here's Fedgelam talking about his relationship with Dolphin Center Ted Karras and reuniting here in Miami.
3: Oh, yeah, he's, he's the same guy. He's uh, football through and through. He's got a deep, uh, deep bloodline of, of football over there in the K- uh, Karras family. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's been a great guy since the moment I, I transferred to Illinois, and our relationship is going through to where we're at today. Just, you know, great friend of mine, great teammate.
1: Another good question here from Cam Wolf asking Clayton about how this offseason was different for him and how he had to kind of keep himself in check and be accountable because they didn't necessarily have a coach breathing down their neck all the time, and they had to be the ones to self-police themselves this off season.
3: You you really just have to be a pro. Um, and I, when I say that, I mean, it's not like anyone's breathing down your neck in the off season for you to put. Like, you have to take care of your business. You have to... You know, get yourself on a routine. You have to make sure that you're doing the proper workouts, working on yourself, which you know, doesn't sound like a big deal because everyone's, but days get, they add up. You're down here in the South Florida heat, but you really have to take care of yourself, take care of your nutrition, and be on top of it yourself, which, you know, when you're at the facility, you have a lot of those moving pieces taken care of for you. So this year it was a little different in, you know, you're responsible for everything your training, your nutrition, you know, the whole nine yards. So take care of your own business and and, and staying on top of it was probably the most difficult from just a, a league wide instance. Um, and we'll see coming here week one, who, who stayed on top of it.
1: Up next Clayton answers the question about why he chose to come to Miami when he had free agency this past spring.
3: Well, I'm here because, uh, you know, I, I really feel everything that Miami's doing. You know, I, I had the option to come down here and I, I just loved what coach flow and, and what they're building down here. Um, It's also not too bad to move down to the South Florida area.
1: Hey, Clayton, I want to go back to something you said earlier about kind of the self-accountability you had to have this offseason. We've heard Coach Flores talk all the time about he wants guys that love football, guys that it's important to him. I want to just kind of get your take on how you've noticed that atmosphere around here at Dolphins facility and just is it kind of prevalent across the football team?
3: It really is. Um, The guys here are here for a reason. We have a very young staff. Um, it's not only that you know football is a job for here. Football is a lot of our, our lives, our passions. And uh, I mean, if you're not accountable and if you're not you're not willing to do whatever it takes here, this isn't the building for you. Because right here, you know, we're building we're building towards something special.
2: Barry. Clayton, before you signed here, did either Floris or Boyer or Greer or Danny Crossman reach out to you? What did they tell you if they did? And was the idea of needing a skilled special teams player part of that discussion if they did reach out to you?
3: With, uh, with all the COVID going on, it was definitely uh, it was my first free agency, and it was a different one at that. Um, I mean, travel restrictions, all those kind of things. So there wasn't a lot of communication. But the, the system that Danny, Danny Crossman runs here is, is similar to what I ran the last four years, and it's, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a good transition.
1: You can definitely hear the traits and the qualities there in Clayton Fedlum that attracted the Dolphins staff and front office to acquiring the safety from Cincinnati this offseason. Up next we stay on the defensive side of the ball and hear from Dolphins defensive tackle Christian Wilkins, who was first asked about this offseason and not having been able to tackle anybody since last December at the end of the Dolphins season and if that makes it difficult now heading into a season without any live tackling.
0: Uh not really. You know, that's that's like one of the challenges, one of the biggest things But like, you know, all the all the adversity we're going through this year and just like, you know, the you know, just like the new guidelines and everything is tough. We really haven't been able to tackle anyone or go fully live, um, but we've done a lot of drills, a lot of things to kind of simulate that, and really just even in practice, you know, kind of taking the right proper angles, setting guys up, getting a good pop, getting a good fit, but just not bringing guys all the way to the ground. So if you practice the right way, uh, hope you know, it'll, hopefully it'll carry over pretty, pretty well into the game.
1: Next, Wilkins was asked to evaluate year one to year two for Coach Flores, and if he notices any differences in Coach's approach, here's Wilkins' answer.
0: He's still the same old coach. He does a great job every day, and you know he's just that guy you can look look to. You know he's going to bring it every day, and you know you know he's gonna uh, you know he's gonna have it every day and challenge us as a team. I really wouldn't say his approach is different, but I just would say like he's kind of like I don't know like you could kind of it's weird like like you can see growth with players, you can see kind of growth with coach with a coach though from year one to year two. Um, you know, not saying he was a bad coach or anything. Last year I had uh, many flaws or anything, but you could just still kind of see growth, and it's it's good to see that and you know, just his confidence and everything. Um, and it's, and you know, he's a great leader for us to follow.
1: Up next, here's Christian talking about the two rookie offensive linemen he's gone up against in camp so far, Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt, and what he notices in their game.
0: I think both of those guys are pretty good. Um, you know, they, uh, I think I think we did pretty well getting in, you know, getting the right guys in here. Um, and, you know, those guys have been competing, working hard every day. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, I could definitely see it and that they both have great potential and they'll they'll be if they keep their head on the straight now they'll be you know pretty good in this league
1: hey christian man uh 13 days away from the opener and you guys are kind of in this phase of end of training camp starting to transition into you know preparing for an opponent i'm curious for a player like you when do you start to kind of make that switch to all right i gotta start planning for a certain opponent and a certain guy across from
0: me um well i, I feel like right now until like training camp uh, like fully breaks you know i'm still locked in in training camp I'm trying to Competing against, you know, our offense every day, trying to prove prove myself, trying to work on my technique, polish up those things. And then, you know, once camp officially breaks and is over, then I'll start focusing more, locking in completely into the game plan, uh, focusing on the opponents. And, you know, I've even started to do a little bit of that now just to kind of get some familiarity, um, but not too much. I haven't fully, you know, delved, delved into that. Um, but definitely uh, probably that then is probably come this week and I'll really start looking in uh, to New England
1: and so away goes christian and in comes tight end mike gasicki who was first asked about going up against these Dolphins safeties who you might recall i said on saturday had a really good scrimmage in coverage and run defense and otherwise going up against this dolphins offense here's mike gasicki on eric rowe and that safety room and the job they're doing so far in training camp
4: um yeah i mean eric's done a great job this, this entire training camp um he's done a good job, you know, playing physical, you know, using his hands. And I think that that's helped, you know, me as well, you know, moving forward, you know, just being aware of, you know, different moves at the line of scrimmage that I got to be aware of, you know, being ready to use my hands, you know, get off press coverage. So I think that, you know, that entire room, you know, the safeties have done a good job on the tight ends. And it's been a competition that has been, you know, day in and day out. You know, sometimes, you know, they get the best of us, sometimes we get the best of them. So it's been fun.
1: If you haven't seen it by now, you should. The Mike and Smythe Show, Durham and Mike Kosicki, they talk about all kinds of topics on Miami Dolphins social media. Here is Mike talking about his relationship with Durham Smythe and how they help each other get better on the football field.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, I always you know joke around with Durham. Um, I'll call him like an extended tackle and all that kind of stuff, and I'll, I'll joke around with him. But, you know, honestly, he's done a really good job this training camp of you know making a ton of plays in the, in the past game. Um, and then, you know, obviously the other way around, you know, he'll joke around with me and, you know, tell me I should be in the receiver room and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so me and Durham are best friends, you know, we got, you know, we, we got a really good relationship and we'll always joke around with each other. Um, but we did, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of watched him and his footwork when it comes to run blocking and his technique and his hands, uh, you know, I'm still trying to go put it together in that aspect. And then, uh, you know, he would, you know, talk to me just about, just just routes releases uh, some things that you know I, I kind of got better with last year. Uh, you know when George came in and you know helped me out with that. So uh, I think you know we're just kind of building off each other. And uh, like I said, you know there's a lot of town in our tight end room that you know we're going to try to continue to uh, you know build build around. So
1: hey, Mike. Oftentimes you'll hear people talk about the challenges of a tight end coming into the league the first couple of years because you have to worry about run blocking, pass protection, running routes. You have to know all the assignments on offense. How do you feel you're doing in that area now coming into year three? Is there like another level of comfort you've kind of stepped into this year?
4: Yeah, I feel good. Um, you know, I'm excited to, you know, just continue to develop, continue to, you know, get better and more comfortable day in and day out. Uh, it also is, you know, good, you know, playing with, you know, the same, you know, the same receivers outside, uh, you know, the same quarterback back there, all that kind of stuff. So, I think from that aspect, it's been it's been good as well, just that chemistry and um, the continuity. So, you know, I think sometimes, you know, I'm running around and, you know, Fitz kind of knows where I'm going to be or I know what he's thinking, you know, pre-snap. So just, uh, you know, that like I said, you know, that that chemistry and um, just that comfort level, uh, I think it's just going to continue to grow.
1: And so there he goes, Dolphins tight end Mike Gesicki. Definitely some interesting tidbits there talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Durham Smythe and Eric Rowe and those Dolphins safeties. Plenty of good sound there from Fedulum Wilkins, and Mike Gesicki. We're going to have this... This type of format, basically the rest of the week here on the podcast. So be sure to check out our daily podcast. We got ourselves back into the 200 on Apple podcast on Monday. So a big thank you to all the fans out there, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We'll get to that here in just one second. But first, as the official wellness provider and sports medicine provider of the Miami Dolphins, Baptist Health is ready and committed to continue caring for you safely. This pandemic has reminded us that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals character. It's also taught us that our health is truly what matters most. We have the power to protect each other by wearing a mask. So who do you wear a mask for? Mask up South Florida. Keep caring. Live healthy. Stay strong and learn more at baptisthealthnet slash coronavirus. And please continue to help us get back into that top 200 and stay there on Apple Podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. Give us a five-star rating. Tell us how you think. If you don't like the show, give us a one-star rating and tell us how you think. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. They've got Twan Russell coming up on the Fish Tank Podcast here soon. And of course miamidolphins.com until next time fins up